0: Good morning and thank you so much for joining me for modern living with Dr. Angela. I am your host, Dr. Angela Chester. My guest today is Mary Druce, and we are talking about the book Nellie's Journey. Now, I know that you guys are excited to be able to get all of these deliveries, especially with everything that's going on, so we are going to nestle down with a really good book with their author today now i have been told that we have mary Drews on the line good morning mary how are you thank you so much for joining me today
1: oh i'm fine thank you thank you for having me
0: Oh, thank you so much for being on. Now, I know that you and I have spoken before, and I've, I've had an, an opportunity to interview you, so I can't wait to share um, all of the information that, um, that you have about your book here with my podcast audience. Um, before we get started talking about your book, though, if you would please, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you've done. What makes Mary, Mary?
1: Oh, well, uh, I think I was born as a performer, um, So uh, much to my mother's dismay. She was a nurse. Uh, mm-hmm. Originally, I, I trained for theater at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London, and later I got an associate of the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, but that came much later. Uh, when I had begun to teach and I had young children. Before this, though, I had spent several years performing in repertory and in touring throughout the British Isles. I also toured in programs for children during the course of one academic year. So Mm -hmm. uh, the theater for children uh, really started my interest in storytelling and the actual storytelling began once we arrived in Canada. I had, of course, read a lot to my two children, and, and this led to my adapting stories for telling in the oral tradition as opposed to just, just reading. Uh, so all of this began with my children, I guess. I might, they were avid listeners, which was great. Even after they had started school here, I I told to their classmates, and they too enjoyed this. So uh, then I began telling professionally. I joined the Association of Storytelling in Toronto, and this gave me the opportunity to expand my telling into other schools, and uh, even beyond the school system, Um Oh, I I, I started working in historic homes, libraries, the CBC radio, and a summer program, Welcome to My World, for the CFTO television station. Mm -hmm. And then I began writing um, to expand (coughs) more than just stories. Uh, I think we discussed before that that uh, I've done some playwriting, and uh, my first play, although it wasn't exactly a play, it was, a, was called Half a Thimble, really a piece for organ, voices, and bells, which was written in honor of the arrival of some historic bells from England. These to be installed in our St. James Cathedral, where usually I sing in the choir, but of course all that's gone for the moment with the virus. Um, there had been, of course, other bells since the previous cathedral had been destroyed by fire in the mid-1800s, but these new ones were a gift and a cause for celebration. It was amazing, actually, because during the fire, it was a huge fire. It destroyed a whole lot of Toronto, um, and all the people had were buckets and, and, and things to, to passing down the line to, to try and, and, and break it. But um, the heat had been so great that the bell itself, uh, which had been rung and rung and rung until the man could ring no more, had achieved nuclear fission. And all that had been left was a tiny scrap of metal, no bigger than a symbol. That's hence the title. Um, and I do have four more plays to my credit, um, these are grouped together under the title Shakespeare's Women, uh, spelt, of course, with a Y. And, uh, and they continue on with the lives of four of Shakespeare's female characters after the end of the plays. One of these, the letter, based on Hamlet, uh, has been featured as part of Guelph University's Canadian Treatments of Shakespeare. And... These were performed at theater festivals in both Ottawa and Toronto, uh, as well as at storytelling festivals, again, in both cities. So, Nellie's journey, um, I'd never really thought of writing an actual novel. I was actually, had begun studying for a master's degree in religion, and because of my background, was asked to direct a play with the younger people, um and so we did a scene from deuteronomy and that was a success and they got top marks and everyone was very pleased but i began to think I really i i am just a performer <laughs> so and then the, the novel began to sort of bustle in my head so i left the course and i'm really not sure how nearly came about but and certainly 80 years is a rather unusual time of life to begin novel writing I just sat down one day and began. And once I started, I found I couldn't stop. It all just poured out of me. And the novel is, of course, set at the time of the First World War. Um, I think perhaps my childhood experiences in the Second World War have have had an influence. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, people that know me have said that Nellie and I are the same person. I get really angry when I think of war and the machin- ambitious politicians that cause it. Nellie has something to say about all of that. <sighs> There's more than... I'm sorry, are you still there? I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, good, good, because something is going bit, bit, bit. Um, There are are, um, more than horrors of war embodied in this story. Um, Nellie has family and friends that care for one another. Yes, so um, the story begins in a place from my imagination, a town named Eldenfield. I pictured this as being somewhere not far from Leeds in Yorkshire. This is a mill town and houses the woolen weaving mill belonging to Sir Richard Hoyle. Now, the Hoyles live, of course, in a grand house, Pembridge House, set on a a hilltop that looks over the town, the mill, and the working-class houses in the valley below. And Nellie lives in one of these working-class houses. Uh, She lives with her family. Uh, Ma'am, Jessie, Pa, Bill, older brother George, younger sister Sally, and younger brother, Will. Uh, Nellie Nellie is bright and has been encouraged to stay on at school until she can get into a teacher training academy. Sally is pretty and rather spoiled. She is, (laughs) perhaps in today's terms, what might be called an airhead. And she's been convinced by Robert Hoyle, the spoiled brat of a son of the mill owner, that he wants to marry her, which of course is impossible because she's, he's upper class and she's lower class. Uh, Nellie has more sense to be, than to believe this, but she cannot persuade her sister that this was but an empty promise. And Nellie is now beginning to become worried regarding her sister's increasingly fragile turn of mind. Uh, well, World War I is declared and life now changes for everyone George signs up to fight and so Nellie must take his place as a worker at the mill her dreams of scholarship seem now to have come to an abrupt end at the mill however she meets Alice a most remarkable woman and she's Nellie's overseer Alice has a daughter someone who is equally ambitious the two of them become friends, and Alice persuades them to join forces and attend evening classes at the local library. Ultimately, this leads to the pair of them taking further training in order to become nursing assistants at the front. Um, I would like, if I may, to read a short excerpt. Yes? Sure. Well, we mm-hmm. now find them... Good. and we, we now find them arriving in France and on their way to the hospital. Now, Nellie writes in her diary, Boulogne was rainy and muddy, with people both coming and going. Many of them wounded men on stretchers going home with their bevy of caretakers. All of them glad to be going on leave. A group of British Tommies spotted us and knowing we were coming to help their comrades at the field hospitals, broke into wild cheering as they passed us in their convoy. We could still hear their cheering even when they had turned the corner. It was very touching and made us feel humble as we thought of the task ahead of us. Each of the line of hospitals had their own number. Ours was number 24, just outside the town of Etap. On our arrival, we were shown to a rather primitive accommodation, a wooden hut, and we began hanging our clothes on the nails hammered into the walls. The only patients left here at the moment are those too weak or maimed to be moved. Most of them, we have been told, will probably be dead quite soon and so we'll never see home again. When we were told this, I found myself tearing up, thinking, of course, of George and now Will. I noticed that Penny would like to cry as well, but... We were both interrupted by Head Nurse Haines. Oh, a battle-axe, if ever there was one. That's enough for you two. If you're going to cry every time that a man dies, you'll be of no use to us and might as well return home right now. So, of course, we sniffed heartily, Chorus. Yes, Nurse Haines," and promised to do better. There was a rather doubting, hmm, from Haines. She looked us up and down as though to say look what the cat brought in now. Then, rolling her eyes to the heavens, she strode off back to the wards. And so, the adventure begins. Uh, There are, of course, some some subplots in this story, Uh, several of them. In fact, there there is Sally's breakdown when she finds that Robert is now affianced to Vivian, daughter of the Earl and Countess of Marchmont. Alas, a most unhappy arrangement for Vivian, and we are happy to find eventually that Robert experiences a come comeuppance for his appalling behaviours. There is Sally's recovery as she goes on to make something of herself. Then there is Nellie's attraction to Harry, the pacifist stretcher bearer, who encourages her to follow her dreams, before himself disappearing into the unknown. There is Billy, the gardener's boy at Pembridge House, with his dog, Scruffy, (laughs) well-named, who manages to save George from a rampaging bull. This actually is based on something that happened to me. I was three years old and I'd been put down to live at a farm in the country, this to avoid the bombing in London. My parents, both nurses, were working for the Ministry of Health, so had to stay in London. I was put into the charge of a lovely old English sheepdog. He really took care of me, following me around wherever I went. We used to sit with me snuggling into him on sunny days. One day, I disobeyed orders, and wearing a red knitted frock my mother had made, I wandered into the field where the ball was kept. Well, you can guess the rest the bull started lumbering towards me with definitely a wicked gleam in his eye. I was terrified until Shep, the dog, leapt over the fence and started to do a kind of zigzag movement, thoroughly confusing the bull who then became very angry. This gave me the time to squeeze back through the gate. It was only then that the dog followed me, leaping over the fence. So I... have used this scene with George, now suffering from PTSD as a result of his war experiences and living at Pembridge House, now in part being used as a convalescent home for wounded soldiers. Except, of course, it, it is Billy's dog, Scruffy, who is the hero here. And you know, for some time during the preceding years, it had become rather obvious that the once powerful members of the British aristocracy had been losing their grip. Working people were beginning to flex their political muscles. Even women were calling for their vote to be recognized. The Luddites were destroying the machines that they felt threatened the security of their working conditions and doing a lot of marching up and down the countryside. And technology, in the form of motor cars and other means of transport, that had previously been driven by horsepower were becoming more prevalently used. A lot of these developments were due to the fact that so many horses had been lost in the war. This because they had been targeted as they drew the wagons and ambulances needed by the troops. In fact, people uh, were, were engaged Um, large numbers of people to pull the streetcars at one stage because there just were no horses. And after the end of the war, stock had to be brought from America and Australia to refurbish England with our horses. And again, by the end, and their return to home, we find both Penny and Nell working at Pembridge House, Nellie as a nurse to the wounded men and the elegant Penny as a lady's maid to Vivian. In Nellie's case, we might well find her, if in case the story ever continues, training to be a psychologist. I did look into some of the things that women had to go through when they were doing this kind of training at that time. It wasn't pretty. And anyway, uh, this was, She wanted to be a psychologist due to her passionate belief that PTSD is a serious malaise needing treatment. Uh, She had been reading um, Freud, and he, he he was someone who actually put that forward first. She's already getting into some trouble by arguing the case with the doctors at Pembridge House. They believe that the problem is what they call shell shock, and that the men must learn to snap out of it. A theory widely accepted at the time. So Nellie, a little upstart mill girl in the opinion of the doctors, none of whom had been at the front and seen things face to face. She is up against something of a battle. A lot of change I think happens when there is either a pandemic or or a war. Uh, People's minds are are opened in many different ways. It, every society, societal upheaval, whether it be pandemic or war, there are people who will have to reconsider their notions of, of, of self-entitlement. I think this is going on a lot at the moment with, with the pandemic. Anyone who has avidly watched the program, Downton Abbey, and I, I think there are very few who have not, I think we'll have noticed this erosion of class authority, even though I love Maggie Smith, unless the Dowager steadfastly refuses to acknowledge this. Um, So that's as far as Nellie has got at the moment. So I don't know if you have any more questions that you'd like to ask me.
0: Hello? I actually do have some questions to ask you. Um, The first (laughs) thing, do you think that your background in theater has helped you to um, become an author?
1: Become an author. You know, I I was thinking about that. Um, I think there are writers who do readings, who perform, and there are uh, performers who write. And I think I'm that last category. Um, I've sometimes heard people reading their, their, from their books. Not not everyone, but some of them don't read very well at all. Um, and yet the book is very, very good. Um, so I think there are there definitely are two categories. I think I belong, read, well, I definitely belong to, I'm a performer. I was three years old when I was sent down to live, again, to be out of the bombing, to live with my aunt. And the first evening that I was there, she said, now, Mary. Uh, perhaps you'd like to say your prayers and I said oh yes now I lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to keep and my aunt said oh Mary uh, very good and I said oh did you like it shall I do it again oh that is a very bad sign (laughs) definitely definitely Um, you know it's a performer in there somewhere Uh, My mother was horrified. As a nurse, she wanted me to do something useful for society. And uh, she used to say, Oh, lassie, I've tried so hard to make you a lady, but you're nothing but a bloody gypsy, which actually you are if you're an actor. It's a really gypsy life. Um, And uh, so, yeah, the writing began much later. Well, of course, I started writing, rewriting the stories um, for my children, as I've already mentioned. Um, and it is interesting as a storyteller how stories change without you realizing it. Once you've put them into your mind, uh, you, you, you have them there, but you're affected unknowingly most of the time by the reactions of the audiences that you're speaking to and go back to what you have written and find that it has changed quite considerably which of course is different than a play because the play is the play is the play, is, the play is, and the words are the words and that's that but uh, it, all of storytelling is really interesting i'm beginning to get back into it in my old age, um, because I, I rather enjoy doing that. Um, yes, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: so <laughs> that's where I'm at at the moment. We notice, many times we notice Hello? that there is a change in society um, after after there has been a war, um, do you think that you have written into your book? Do you think that you have written or included any change in the society? Does that happen in your book?
1: Yes. Uh, it's not overtly so, but the way that the people are behaving at the end is very different than when they're behaving at the beginning. Um, they've, they, it, it's definitely been a journey that they've been through. And this whole thing of PTSD, which the doctors were saying, no, 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 just sharpen up, you know, just get on with it. Um, you've had a, you've had a couple of weeks' rest, get back into it. Well, of course, that's not PTSD at all. It's it's a, a horrible thing, um, and and it, it can really damage people. And George is is damaged, and uh, we he's kind of on his way back. Uh, by the end of the book but he still has a journey to go on um yeah it's um and I've, i've noticed i've noticed listening to younger people on the radio saying nothing about the current pandemic nothing like this has ever happened before and i think Oh, oh, child, child. <laughs> uh, this is grandma talking. But um, yeah, I remember sitting, uh, waiting for the bombs to fall, and they were, my mother going, oh, oh, it's going to stop, it's going to stop. And they put, put, put. Silence, it's falling. Oh. And my grandmother saying, oh, the poor we wanes, the poor we wanes. We'll all be dead in the morning. <laughs> well, we're not. I'm still living. I did have some PTSD though, which was interesting. Uh, I, I was seven when the war finished, and got on with life. Uh, but uh, just oh, I think it was ten years ago. Uh, the former president, your former president, um, Obama, came over to Toronto for the G20 meeting, and I was watering my flowers on the on the on the balcony, and. I heard it's the sound of war and then these three huge grey helicopters, the colour of war, came right over my head and I dropped my my watering can and I rushed indoors and I was I was sitting in my chair and thinking, Oh my god, PTSD and it took all that time to come back And I think that this is going to be happening with this pandemic quite a lot eventually. But, you know, it's what we're stuck with, and we have to get on with it. So, uh, you know, people are Mm -hmm. – when people are uh, Mm – yeah. Yeah. Well, Mary, yes, people I are have awesome.
0: to say thank you so much for spending time with us today and coming on and telling us about your story, Nellie's Journey, about your book. I'm sorry, Nellie's Journey. I, I have really enjoyed your storytelling, and I think that um, our listeners have enjoyed as well. Now, I know that we can pick up a copy of your book, um, on Amazon, as well as we can go to your website, Mary Drew's stories.com Thank you again so much for being on Modern Living with Dr. Angela today. Thank you very much indeed. It was fun. Thank you. All righty, everyone. We need to take a break. We'll be back right after this.
2: Have you ever been stuck on the side of the road for hours waiting for a tow truck to get to you? Have you ever had to get towed to a local mechanic you don't know or trust? Motor Club of America is a different kind of roadside assistance that offers towing up to 100 miles to the shop of your choice. And they get you towed within 40 minutes of when you call. They also have emergency room, in-hospital coverage, and much more at very affordable rates. To find out more, go to MotorClubOfAmerica.com slash Elijah1. That's MotorClubOfAmerica.com slash E-L-I-J-A-1 right now and experience a better way to do roadside assistance. It is time to step out and do what God has told you or called you to do. He said all things are possible to them that believe. Faith without works is dead. It is time to get up and it is time to start moving. There is ministry. There are entrepreneurs. There are writers that are listening in. Whatever the vision is, whatever the dream is, you were made for greatness. You got to get out of the box. Catch up on the past episodes of Bridging the Gap Podcast, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Google, and more. And don't forget to tune in every Monday night at 7 p.m. for the latest episode with your host, yours truly, Sean Laurie Moore. Join our encouragement community at www.sheroyalministries.com. Being with Infants, by Montessori teacher-trainer and world-renowned child specialist, Beverly Kovach, is finally on DVD and digital download. The long-awaited 3D disc set is essential for any new parent, grandparent, or infant caregiver wanting respectful relationships with infants and their care. Being with Infants is broken down into 20 easy-to-digest video lessons, complete with demonstrations. Everything from diapering, feeding, the proper way of picking up infants, sleep, Crying, environment, play, weaning, and much more are covered. Being with Infants is available on DVD and digital download at Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. Order today and be sure to follow Being with Infants on Facebook for free bonus content.
0: And we are back. Thank you so much for joining me for Modern Living, with Dr. Anza. I just want to do a quick shout out to my countries that have made the leaderboard this week. So thank you so much, USA, my home country, for coming in in the number one spot. Number two is the Philippines. Thanks, cousins in the Philippines. Number three is my cousins across the pond in the UK. Thanks, United Kingdom. Number four are my neighbors to the north in Canada. Thanks, Canada, for being number four. And last but certainly not least is Australia. Thank you, Australia, for making the leaderboard. Thanks so much to each and every one of you who tune in every, every week to make Australia an international success. May you continue to have great mental health, and may you do it with a really good book. Until next time, everyone, have a great day.